Caledonian McBrain and the Big Light present... Falcha, I'm Cunyach MacLeod, the Hebridean Baker. Originally from the Isle of Lewis, I'm an author, TV presenter and travel blogger. I spend lots of time traveling around the world, discovering amazing places and the people who live there. But my favorite place is home, the Hebrides, making me your perfect guide to the very best things to do, see, eat and enjoy throughout the incredible islands on the west coast of Scotland. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures. In this episode, we're off to Isla Andura. Often known as the Whiskey Isles, they are the southernmost of the Inner Hebrides. Inhabited since 10,000 BC, nowadays they can be reached by regular Kalmak ferries from Kennecraig on the Kintar Peninsula. Steeped in history and offering visitors every modern luxury, they're famed for their friendliness and warm welcome. Coming up, I've got an access all areas pass at the Jura Distillery for Fish Ila, Isla's amazing annual whiskey festival. I do some bird watching at one of the top wildlife sites in Scotland, Loch Grinyard. And I have my nose in a book or two with the organizers of the Isla Book Festival. But first, I'm delighted to say that I'm joined here in the studio by the most famous voice to ever come out of Isla. His dulcet tones have graced BBC Radio Nangale for years. Famously, every Friday night in the 80s and 90s on the Request Show with Neen Mackay and now with his own show, Mac Gillavichel. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures, John Carmichael. Hello, honey. Uh, it's strange to be speaking to you in English. <laughs> it is, it is. But John, you are Isla born and bred. I am. What, what's, the, what's the essence of Isla to you? The essence of Isla, well, it's the only place in the world that I can truly call home for Isn't a Isn't that lovely? And, uh, and I wasn't aware growing up in Isla about her attributes at all. You know, of course, we took them all for granted, as, as most islanders do with their own islands. Where do I begin, really? I mean, as you mentioned in your introduction, we have stunning beaches. We have, I think, probably the wildlife for me would be right up there. And... Uh, I'm not uh, impartial to a, a couple of dramas from time <laughs> to time. And uh, the malt whiskies, not so much uh, for its flavour, perhaps, as for the skill and the history that's in every drama of that, you know, and, and skills uh, really honed over the years and passed down through many generations. I was brought up in a farm called Dale Farm in, in Bridgend, uh -huh. and there was uh, a farm distillery there. Oh, it wow. was not uncommon for farms to have their own distilleries. They, they distilled their own uh, whiskey. Well, we, we can't not mention the two islands we're going to talk about in this podcast, Isla 
and Jura. I think it's probably one of the shortest ferry journeys in Scotland, <laughs> hopping over uh, to Jura. Um, a very different island, isn't it, John? Very different. Uh, but thank God for Jura, because it <laughs> provides us with the majestic paps of Jura, which we always claim to be part of the island landscape. <laughs> and in certain types of weather, you actually feel as if they are an island. You're totally right. But for those who don't know, what are the paps of Jura? Well, they're the, the highest mountains on uh, the neighbouring island of Jura, and although it's only half a mile across the sound of Isla to Jura, I actually didn't go there until I was in my early 20s. I went to Collinsey. I chose to go to Uh Collinsey. And you'll never believe how I ended up going to Collinsey before Jura. I was interested in bird watching, and that's another story which I maybe get to later. Uh And uh, the school uh, gave us membership of the YOC, which was the junior wing of the RSPB, if you pardon the pun. (laughs) And uh, as part of that, uh, we got in tow with what was called the school's Hebridean Society. And when I was about 13, 14, Angus Darach and myself were selected to go and join a group from St. Paul's Preparatory School in London on Collinsey and camp out wow. and uh, tell them all about the local wildlife. And so Collinsey first, then Jura. Then Jura, yeah. <laughs> I actually was uh, uh, just a young producer at the BBC in the 1970s when I first visited Jura to interview some of the remaining native Gaelic speakers uh, from Jura. And I always will be grateful for that opportunity to go over and meet those precious, precious people before they passed away. Well, they say, come for the whiskey, return for the island. And that's definitely what I've done. Feish Ila, otherwise known as the Isla Festival, is a glorious annual gathering of whiskey fans from across the globe. It's held the last week in May to celebrate the island, her culture and her spirit. It's a brilliantly eclectic 10 days of fun that defines the whiskey calendar, with each distillery hosting their own special event and I headed on the ferry for Jura Day at Feishila. This is a bit of grated lemon that is going into my hot toddy bundt cake along with honey and whiskey icing. Today I'm on Jura. The island usually only have 200 residents, but today it's going to treble maybe even quadruple in size, for Feish Ile. And we're here for Jura Day at the Isla Whiskey Festival, where there will be revelers, shenanigans, and lots of whiskey tasting as the visitors head over on the ferry from Isla for a special day on the island. That's the first bus arriving from the ferry and all the revelers are looking excited for their day ahead. But for me, it's all about the cakes first. So I'm gonna go and check on my hot toddy bun cake. Well, Mike, seeing we're at Feish Ila at the Jura Distillery, I think the first thing we do is have a wee dram. What do you think? That's the, absolutely the right thing. <laughs> so, Tell me, what's your role at uh, Jura? Yeah, so I am the uh, global brand communications manager. As a massive whiskey fan myself, it's, it's great just to kind of get to 
come in every day and sort of learn all about the industry, all of the great work that people are doing. And yeah, it, it, it helps. It's got its perks as well. A nice little dram here and there is never <laughs> a bad thing. And we're here for Fish Ila, which is the Isla Whiskey Festival. But Jura get their own day. So tell us a wee bit about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We, um, we're, we're very lucky that um, Isla obviously is a very, very, very well-known region when it comes to whiskey. Um, it's, it's synonymous with with whiskey and um, they have a beautiful festival that they put on every year um, and we're just piggybacking I guess on the end and and they've been um, you know really welcoming and letting us come in and be a part of the festival. How unique is the storyline of Jura and Jura whiskey compared to you know the other uh, whiskey brands? Our neighbours in Isla can be quite peaty traditionally whereas um, Jura what we've tried to do is make something that's quite deliberately different it's a little bit lighter, it's a little bit fruitier, so you get some stone fruits coming through. Now, this is my first fish Ila, and I'm so excited to be on Jura for it. So what should I expect from the day? Uh, well, lots of whiskey, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, we have lots of things going on. You know, we have games on the field, out on the beach. We're very lucky. It's a beautiful day today, so when, you know, when the weather's nice, it, it's lovely to sit outside in the pub. The great thing about Jura as well is everything is very walkable it's very self-contained everything that's happening almost in daily island life as well as for the festival is is never any more than a couple of minutes walk away as well as a beautiful whiskey we've got an incredible rum distillery deer island and we've got lassa gin who are making incredible gin as well so even if you're not a massive whiskey fan there's definitely um a little something for everyone well, Mike, I'm looking forward to the Kaylee later. I think Archie's going to give us a few tunes. So I think Slancha. Slancha. And I'll see you on the dance floor later. Absolutely. <laughs> the wee village of Craig House is full of revelry and Kayleys today. It's so stunning and beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. And the drive beautiful. was wonderful up from the ferry. Uh, the sun is shining. It's just lovely to be back here for all the people, the music, the atmosphere, and of course the wonderful whiskies, which you just bought a few bottles. I've just bought two bottles. Buy. I bought the 12 year old cherry and the 18 year old uh, durian. Won't be drinking them all in a day. Face yourself. Megan, this is your first. Fish, Ila, and you're here in Jura. How's it been for you? It's been fantastic so far. The weather has been unbelievable. Everybody's been so welcoming, friendly. It's a great vibe, nice atmosphere. Everybody's just ready to have a nice time. It's been lovely. <laughs> it yeah. has been great. And you're from uh, Nauticus, which is a bar in Edinburgh. Yes, just down in Leith. Yep. And uh, you've been here doing cocktails uh, for the day. So what's been the cocktails that you've been making, what's people's favourites been? So far at the moment, our Hebridean Highball has oh, been an, an incredible <laughs> win. Um, so that's just made with the Juno rum cask. We make our own lime cordial at Nauticus. Um, that was just infused with some fresh mint and a little bit of ginger beer. So kind of a nice twist on a dark and stormy. Perfect for a day like this. Amazing. And you've been hearing some Kaylee music in there as well from the boys. Have you enjoyed They've that? They've been brilliant. Well, Megan, the queue at the bar is getting a wee bit hectic. <laughs> so we'll better let you get back to your cocktails. Perfect. Thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers. I'll be in the distillery sharing my hot toddy bundt cake with all the guests coming to try the whiskey. I hope it's not a disappointment. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kanyoch, I'm the Hebridean baker. I'm from the island of Lewis, which is the farthest north of the Outer Hebrides. Uh, today we're going to have a wee bit of a cake baking, 
uh, telling a few stories, might even have time for a few Gaelic songs, you never know. Um, so if you're walking out at any point, I know it's uh, I love taking Scottish flavours like whiskey or marmalade or great produce like venison and salmon and all these great things. But more than anything else, it's supposed to be hearty, cosy meals that people will enjoy. I kind of think if your auntie's coming around to visit, you would take my cookbook and find something. Okay, that's my Do I start? Okay. Chonich Nukumerich, good boy, oh, Hutronaki. Chonich Nukumerich, Sahula fed and horror. Chonich Nukumerich, good boy, oh, Hutronaki. Chonich Nukumerich, Sahula fed and horror. Sounder Kunami, a whole of me, Sukunami. Just walking up to the local pub, just past the Jura distillery, and there's tunes just about to be played, drums everywhere, and folk just having the best time. And I think it's definitely time for a wee dram. John, you must have been to Fish Ela many times. Do you go for the drums or the Kayleys? Well, nowadays people go for both, <laughs> of course. And one leads to the other quite often. But uh, in the early days of the phage, in the late 80s, when I went first, uh, it was a very different festival. Okay. Uh, whiskey didn't feature prominently at all. Because at that time, the distilleries hadn't got their act together in terms of, uh, you know, maximum... The production. Tourist, yeah. Tourism advantages. Uh -huh. And uh, now it's every distillery has its own visitor centre and it's very high tech and it's lovely but in my day going round a distillery was usually with the manager uh -huh. uh, and he would offer you either the short tour and the long dram or the long tour and the short <laughs> dram I voted always for the short tour <laughs> uh, however uh, now over the years it evolved into there uh, are whiskey as the whiskey industry grew uh, in Isla, the whiskey tourist industry anyway, uh, it, they thought it was a great idea to combine both and to have uh, music and uh, whiskey. Mm. Yeah, so every distillery has its own day. So the With whole its week, own musicians. All that. I, I mean, I must admit, I loved my trip there. Yeah. And I think it's now already like cemented in my calendar. Hope you didn't overdo year. it. I promise I didn't. <laughs> well, you know, I know one B&B &B in Port Ellen that offers, and you bear in mind that they're up till the small hours uh -huh. drinking malts. Not not the easiest thing to drink <laughs> in quantity. And uh, they offer Lafroig waffles with their breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think I'd quite enjoy that. <laughs> well, for more information on Feishila, go to feishila.co.uk and don't miss a visit to the Jura Distillery. Learn more at jurawhiskey.com or simply visit calmac.co.uk. So, John, with so many visitors coming to the island for the whiskey, what would you do to take them off the beaten track? 
Well, the history of Isla is fascinating, and there are lots of places in Isla that you can go to and actually experience some of that. There are standing stones. There's the lovely carved cross at uh, Kildalton in the churchyard, and it's, it's a Celtic high cross, which is absolutely wonderful to, to see. And the original is still in Isla. They wanted to make a cast of it and take the original to the Museum of Scotland, but that didn't happen. Okay. So the original is still in Isla, and that's worth a visit. Some nice churches. Well, actually, do you know what? Tell me a little bit about Isla Gaelic, because when, when I visit Isla, even though I have Gaelic, the, the, the Gaelic throws me a wee bit there. It's yes. definitely a wee bit different. Tell me why, do you think? Well, of course, you're a Lewis man. I am a Lewis man. Lewis people <laughs> used to think that uh, someone as far south as Isla that we wore grass skirts, I think. <laughs> but our Gaelic is significantly different, and maybe it's closer to the Irish. Maybe. We right. have a lot of words in common with, with our Irish neighbours, and uh, also there was a connection between the Rins of Isla and Ballycastle, a connection that lasts till this day. People still go over to Ballycastle to the Lammas Fair, and I was at the Lammas Fair with uh, some Isla Worthies a number of years ago now, and we went over in a fishing boat, and wow. uh, we were sitting in this hostelry in Ballycastle, chatting with three old men from the glens of Antrim, and the Botach and the Cayach from Portlehaven were chatting to them in Gaelic. No problem. No problem. All. In fact, probably with b- b- greater ease than they would chat to somebody from Lewis. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, one thing I always take on a trip to Isla is a pair of binoculars. <laughs> now, there's a place on Isla that is one of the top spots in Scotland for bird watching. I headed to the northwest of the island to meet Jack Fleming from the RSPB at Loch Grinyard Nature Reserve with a pair of trusty binoculars at the ready. I've just arrived at Loch Grinyard Nature Reserve and I'm off to meet RSPB Scotland's Jack Fleming. So Jack, we're standing here with a beautiful view of Benficar and Benvan. What a place for this beautiful reserve. Stunning, isn't it? Just takes your breath away on a day like this. But all the colours, all the smells, all the sounds. You've got two reserves on Isla. Yeah. What should people expect to see when they come to the reserves? So- Bird watchers have come to Ireland for such a long time, way before there was ever a reserve here, of course. And it's, it's well known in birding circles. Uh, and it's because it has a year-round appeal, literal year-round appeal. At the moment, we have hundreds of uh, lapwing out there, red shanks and snipe, all calling away like mad. In the winter evening, those spooky sounds you get when you're walking these odd drumming noises the snipe make. It's just spectacular. People go, oh, it's like the Okavanga Delta, <laughs> which it isn't really, but you know what they mean. It makes a great noise. Yeah. So we're here at the visitor centre. What is the bird life that you would hope that people will see when yep. they get here? So depending on the time of year, and this time of year we've got all these breeding waders, this is probably one of the top five sites in the UK for seeing lapwing and the rest I just mentioned. Uh, but you can also walk up onto the moorland. We have a couple of nice trails here, and on the moorland you may, may well see hen harriers. We've had up to six pairs of hen harrier on this one reserve, which at one stage recently was more than the whole of England had. Uh, the spectacular, you know, the females are brown, but the males are just ghostly silver with black wingtips and they just cruise over the moorland. It's the most spectacular thing to see. But in the winter, you'll have flocks of maybe 25,000 barnacle geese and 7,000 Greenland white-fronted geese. But when the geese first come back, that cackling noise just lifts the hairs on the back of my neck.
So like, Isla's quite a complex island, so it's geologically complex, quite apart from anything else, and that gives you a range of habitats in a relatively small area that you don't find anywhere else. So they'll come here in the spring and the summer, they get this fantastic weather like today, sun beating down, birds chirping away, smell off the gosh, all that kind of stuff, and they can just stroll around and just enjoy it as it comes. You think, why would you come to the west coast of Scotland in the winter? But in fact, part of Isla's charms is there is something different around every corner, and you can see so much of it just from the road, and it just absorbs people. It just draws you in, you feel very much part of the landscape here, and then you're connecting to wildlife within that landscape. Jack, we've just left the visitor centre now. Do, do most people just do their own thing when they get here or is there organised uh, walks and things that are planned as well? So the majority of people just come and enjoy the space themselves, but we do have guided walks. One in the O on Tuesday and one on the, at the Greenyard here on the Thursday. And it's great to get people out there with a guide who might help them understand what they're looking at a bit better or need to pick up things they might never have noticed themselves. We've got our binoculars at the ready. Right, let's go here and see what we can see. I can see something pretty big. Look at myself, it's either a white-tailed eagle or a golden eagle. Oh, wow. And yet, you look at, you've got wide, a huge wingspan, white-tailed eagle for sure. Uh, and they're, they're actually looking, and if you look, you see the grey lags coming up just now. The grey lag geese coming up, they're trying to breed over the back of the flats there, and that's what that eagle's looking at just now. And you can see them looking quite closely, uh, curving there now, dropping down, just taking a look. And no, nothing on the menu at the moment, but there will be shortly, I imagine. Wow. So, what impact does farming and the distilleries have on what happens here for bird life and, and, and nature on the island? Farming is absolutely crucial to most of the main conservation interests here. So geese in particular, they're not daft birds, they like reasonable quality grass. It's a source of genuine conflict for farmers. It's one of the reasons that RSPB bought this reserve in the first place, was to act as a refuge when the population of birds was around the 20,000 mark. But if you imagine that multiplying up and it's topped 50,000 in the past, that's a lot of geese eating a lot of grass. So to say it doesn't have an impact on the farmers would be totally incorrect. So it's a goose management system which goes some way towards paying the farmers to manage their land to encourage the geese, which is a globally important species. So the numbers are now down around the 30,000 mark, and that's around where they probably need to be to be a healthy population. But without active farming for them, that population would be under serious threat. We have lapwing, redshank and snipe out there nesting. That's ideal territory for them. But in these rougher areas, which you can see from here, the darker greens and that big strip along the middle of the field, and these nettles here, that's where the corn crakes come in. So you've got this fantastic, almost natural cycle of the geese take the grass down, it's perfect for the lapwing coming in and nesting on, and then they go away and the farming staff here go out and they manage the land to keep the grass as best they can for the geese coming back. So just year-round, all the time. Isla is so well known for its distilleries and its whiskey. Does that have any impact uh, on what you're doing here? It does. It actually helps quite a bit because you have the byproduct, which is called draft, and that is a very useful cattle feed in particular. Uh, and it's great that so many of the people that come across for the whiskey will walk off some of the fumes <laughs> on the reserves around here or on the cliff tops, get the cobwebs well and truly blown away. And I think that is part of the experience. So, why don't we just take a Scamper along the road, take the car along to the car park and just walk up into the moorland so you get a first-hand experience of that. I would love that. Yeah. And we'll take the binoculars. We'll take the binoculars. Right, okay, let's go.
arriving on the river and you really notice the landscape changing, the gorse and the beautiful cotton. I've got the binoculars ready and lucky that I've got an expert like Jack who's going to be telling me where to look. One of the most important species we have in this reserve is actually a butterfly, a marsh fertility butterfly. Fantastic, beautiful little butterfly with checkered wings. And so many people just miss that completely. And they're most closely associated with a plant called Devil's Bit Scabious. Okay. Which is a globe-shaped blue flower, and that's the most important food source that they have. So the correct level and correct management of livestock grazing produces good crops of Devil's Bit Scabious, and then the marsh fertility comes in and makes the most of that resource. Okay, let's have a look, see if we can find any. Well, you know the west coast, Kamesh, it's uh, famous for its midges and we certainly get them here. I think two island midges can carry off a grown man. <laughs> but if you look at this stuff here, one of my favourite plants. So this is bog myrtle, also known as sweet gale. But the smell of that is wow, one of my favourite things. That it's is really, beautiful. Yeah, it's a fantastic smell. So all I need to do is rub this all yeah. over my... Everything, <laughs> everything, everything, eat about a kilo of it and you might get lucky and not get bitten. Well, if that's not the best advice I've ever had in my life, I'm off to pick a kilo of bald myrtle right now. <laughs> well, I'm going to settle here and just have a relaxing afternoon. Sounds like the perfect plan to me. Well, John, I loved my visit up to see Jack, and I think it really sums up another unique thing about the island. It sure does. And, you know, just hearing those geese there uh, took me right back to childhood days. And the first indicator that winter was on its way when the geese arrived from Greenland to chomp away at our juicy grass <laughs> and, island. and in fact the soundtrack uh, of my life really uh, in Isla anyway my my youth uh, is very much to do with birds and I mean I remember we uh, lived on a farm which wasn't quite a wooded area and uh, I used to fall asleep to the sounds of tawny owls in the in the surrounding woods oh you know singing it was just lovely yeah uh, and uh, very soothing. And then when we moved down to the O, uh, which was a totally different landscape, it wasn't uh, at all verdant and, and wooded. The O was moorland and rugged coastline, but beautiful in its own way, in a totally different way. But the bird sounds I heard there were the curlew, that lovely haunting sound of the curlew in the evening, and the snipe drumming. Even if bird watching isn't your thing, it's just such a really special place to visit and experience the nature around you. Oh, well, absolutely. In the O, for example, a trip down to the cliffs, to the headland, uh, will not only does it provide you with a, a glimpse of the famous and elusive chuff, uh, uh, but... There are huge herds of wild goat uh, to, to be found down there, and uh, the, the smell—you smell them before you see them—but <laughs> but it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, in their natural habitat, and in fact, uh, I think that that helps the chuff population. And then we've got our eagle quota down there as well. That cognac is why spring watch or, or autumn watch or whatever, uh, that's why they so often come live from Ireland. I remember Simon King was over uh, one year, then Michaela Strachan and uh, more recently uh, Gillian Burke. We have that diverse 
range of, of, of nature. Amazing. And, I, you know, uh, birdsong, I was saying that that's the soundtrack of my life. It's been proven that it really enhances your mental health and well-being. Well, for more information on guided walks at RSPB Lochgrinert Nature Reserve or to plan a visit, go to rspb.org.uk or simply visit calmac.co.uk and don't forget your binoculars. Every Scottish island in your bucket list. Every sunrise. Every waterfall. Every bird song. Every seashell. Every stroll along the edge of the world. Every new friend you make. Every dance. Every dram. Every downpour. Every crackling campfire. Every sparkling night sky. Every feast under harbour lights. And every photo under that red Calmac funnel. Every moment, every memory, every journey starts a story. And you can start yours at calmac.co.uk. We're teaming up with Beetson Cancer Charity, an incredible organisation making a significant impact across the west of Scotland. Their vital work depends on the generosity of people like you. Beetson Cancer Charity provides a wide range of essential services to cancer patients and their families. From complementary therapies to specialised health and work support, they offer a lifeline during some of life's toughest moments. If you want to get involved, head over to beetsoncancercharity.org forward slash donate. Your help means the world to those who need it most. Max Adventure. Experts in self-guided walking and cycling holidays. You choose your route, your departure date and who you travel with. We do the rest. Includes hassle-free luggage transfers, hand-picked accommodations, easy navigation and 24-7 support. Let us do the legwork so you can put the miles in. This is active travel led by you. Begin your journey at maxadventure.com. Now, John, are you much of a reader? What's on your bedside table just now? Oh, on my bedside table? Uh, I'm never far from uh, books connected with my heritage, I guess. And uh, the, the Margaret Fay Shaw book, Folk Songs of South Hughes, is just the most beautifully produced book. And uh, the introduction, which is pretty long, uh, describes wonderfully uh, life in a bygone time in South Hughes. And it's really really lovely and the traditions they had well actually a bit of a coincidence I've got Songs of Gaelic Scotland by Anne Lorne Gillis on Another my bedside table just now I'm looking for a new couple of new Cayley songs uh, at the moment well you'll find a wealth of song in there <laughs> <laughs> growing out of a small book club in Port Ellen the Isla Book Festival is now an established part of Scotland's thriving cultural scene with authors coming from all over the country, the festival is filled with events taking place right across the island. I recently met up with Charlene Basali at the Celtic House in Beaumont to find out more. Balta Charlene, so good to see you. Hi. How are you? Nice to see you too. We're here today at the Celtic House, so tell us a wee bit about the Celtic House. Uh, so the Celtic House is a gift shop, bookshop, coffee shop 
uh, and we are situated uh, in the heart of Bumal, which is the main village on Naila. Like I walked in and I must have seen 10, 20 things I wanted to buy straight away from the ceramics and this wonderful part of the bookshop here as well, which just has everything. It's great to see so many island authors as books here. It's lovely for visitors to have a wide um, selection of uh, local interest books, but it's also nice for people here to have access to a bookshop that would stock, uh, you know, general literature and the, the last bestsellers. Uh. Now, um, you've been hosting the Isla Book Festival uh, for many years. Tell me how long it's been going for. Uh, so the Isla Book Festival, I think, started in 2005 and originally it, it grew up from a um, um, reading group in Portellen. Uh, so some ladies uh, decided to launch a festival and over the years it, it kind of grew and grew. So for somebody who hasn't been to a book festival before, what should they expect? Um, so we have a general program and then we have a school program as well, which is really exciting for the kids because every school um, on Isla and also Jura gets um, to see a writer and speak to them. So that's really great for them. And um, as for the general program, what we try to do is to have always a kind of variety in themes where we have fiction and non-fiction. We have things about history uh, things about nature writing, which is quite an important theme here. And also, we always try to have an important Gallic element because it's just the island's culture. And Charlene, as the chair of the festival, it must be a joy for you to decide who you'd like to invite along to, to speak. Yes, uh, th that's really one of the most exciting parts of uh, being on, on the festival committee. And that's a collective decision. Um, so we get together and uh, names are, are thrown in uh, and then we kind of decide who is going to come. Charlene, what do you think it means to the, the people of Isla that you have created this prestigious book festival? I think it's great as an opportunity to meet writers because um, there's a lot of things happening on the mainland, but it's not always easy to travel all the time uh, for events around the country because of uh, maybe because of the cost. Sometimes it's just because of the weather in the winter that's unpredictable. Um, so the fact that for once, so to speak, it's other people coming to the island. It's something that um, some people wouldn't have experienced otherwise. The events themselves um, usually are quite exciting because it's a social event. So you'll see people, um, you know, have a chat and, you know, at, especially at a book festival, then after um, the actual Q&A, you'd have the book signing, you know, and, and everything would be chatting, having a cup of tea and everything. They're really community events. Charlene, you've lived on the island for about five years now, so many people will be visiting Isla for the first time when they come to the book festival. So what other things would you recommend? A few wee secret favourites of yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, it's a hard question because there are a lot of things to see on Isla, so usually you'll need to come back a second time at <laughs> least to see everything you want to see. Obviously, uh, the beaches are must-see because we've got incredible ones here. Um, and, and then there's a lot of things that are um, history-based, so there, there's a great um, museum of Isla life in Port Charlotte, um, so there's uh, Finlagen as well, which used to be um, the ancient seat of uh, the Lords of the Isles. Uh, that's 
really incredible to see. Uh, we've got beautiful Celtic crosses on the islands. So as well as all the nature-related things, there's also a lot to discover about Isla history. It's a beautiful island, and any time of year, you know, it just brings something wonderful. And personally, I can't wait to have my first Isle of Book Festival visit. So I'm looking forward to our adventures together in September, Sharon. Uh, thank you, me too, me too. <laughs> Well, John, has that inspired you to write your autobiography? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I don't, don't think the world's ready for that, uh, Cognac. But what a lovely thing for you to look forward to and what a great place to be launching your new book as well. I think uh, it must be really special for, for the islands to create events that become part of Scotland's cultural Absolutely, aspect. and they start from such small beginnings, you know, and that's that's the what's part of the romance of it uh, uh, to me. And I remember when that book club at Port Ellen was established first, I knew some of the ladies who were uh, who were involved in it. And I didn't ever imagine that it would become what it's become now. You know, world-renowned authors are visiting Isla. And I think the most important thing that uh, Isla gains from that is uh, not so much uh, the authors that are coming over, but the fact that they go to the schools and that they foster this uh, uh, interest in reading because I think reading will never ever replace uh, no matter how long a child spends on his tablet or her tablet uh, per day I think reading uh, a good book um, is such an important experience and uh, Charlene uh, was speaking to us from the Celtic House in Beaumont, which really is a destination, mm. isn't it? Um, for a, a cuppa or it's a, a great treat. meeting point. And it's also a, a, a great shop. I shouldn't be, uh, well, I suppose I should be extolling the virtues of <laughs> local businesses. But I, I would say, uh, and we heard uh, all about the attractions of the island, but we we didn't do it justice, I don't think. Uh, Isla is a magical place it and it does lure people back again and again. And if you haven't been to Isla and are listening to this, please do so before you're much older. Don't leave it too long anyway, <laughs> because you'll want to come back. For more information and to find out the programme for this year's festival, go to islabookfestival.co.uk or simply visit calmac.co.uk Now, if there was one more thing that you simply must do that you can recommend on Isla and or Jura, what would that be, John? Well, I love walks on the moor. I love listening to and looking, of course, at uh, at uh, bird life mostly, but but also uh, as Jack was saying, all the lovely plants and butterflies and everything else. But uh, it's such a relaxing thing to do, just to walk, no matter what the weather, and to hear that uh, bird song, which is so evocative of my youth in Isla, and it really does clear a lot of space in my head. And if I've got a problem, uh, they say that problems are magnified in the night. Well, they really disappear uh, if you're walking on the moors in the lovely, fresh Isla air. Well, that's all from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Please subscribe, like, rate, review and share with your friends. For show notes and more information on this and all my other island destinations plus full details on Caledonian McBrain's routes, timetables, prices and bookings, go to calmac.co.uk. Every journey starts a story, so book your Caledonian McBrain island adventure now. From the Big Light Studio.